millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So it's been officially a year since the World Health Organization sounded the alarm on COVID-19. It was on January 30, 2020, that the WHO declared a public health emergency of international concern, a pandemic. How far have we come since then? And on another front, top officials of the intelligence unit of the armed forces of the Philippines have been suspended. As authorities investigate the false list of alleged UP graduates who were killed or captured in military operations. Mula po sa Quezon City, ako si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. At ako si Inday Espina Barona. It's February 1. Itong teka-teka, balita para sa mga huli sa balita. The vast majority of cases outside China have a travel history to Wuhan or contact with someone with a travel history to Wuhan. We don't know what sort of damage this virus could do if it were to spread in a country with a weaker health system. We must act now to help countries prepare for that possibility. I'm declaring a public health emergency of international concern over the global outbreak of novel coronavirus. That was WHO Director General Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus on January 30, 2020. Nako, ang tawag pa novel coronavirus. Isang taon na. It feels like a decade, Robbie. <laughs> exactly. It's been a year. And uh, to your point, ang dami na natin tinawag, di ba? Novel coronavirus, uh, COVID, um, NCOV, you remember NCOV? To think that when they first made that announcement, there were less than 100 COVID cases and zero deaths outside of China. Now, we are at 100 million reported cases, more than 2 million reported deaths. And yet, there is still a lot we don't know about COVID. For instance, the origin of the virus. Alam natin, galing sa Wuhan. Mm. But it wasn't until last week that an international team of WHO experts first visited a hospital in China and the notorious Wanan Seafood Market. Kung maalala nyo, ito yung mga lugar na sinil off in January 2020 ng Chinese authorities. China has strongly opposed an investigation. Pinagpipilitan na itong bisita ng mga team experts ay global research at hindi pro. Merong reports then that say the group cannot go out freely in Wuhan and only meet people who are approved by their hosts. Now, in the meantime, one year later, tayo naman dito sa Pilipinas. Where are we? One year ago, there was practically and almost officially no cases here in the Philippines. 
12 months later, we now have more than half a million uh, confirmed cases. Despite one of the world's longest lockdowns. And more than 10,000 deaths. Government has been trying very hard to fight it, as have all governments around the world. But still, as far as COVID response is concerned, the Lowy Institute says that our response, they graded at 79th out of 98 countries that they've graded. You know, Yungang Alliance of Health Workers here in the Philippines described government's response to their plight as having, quote, remained extremely slow, numb, and deaf and that there had been no difference in their working conditions from the grueling year that was 2020. Now, of course, that's one organization. There are many LGUs, of course, and many hospitals and many medical professionals who say, no, we have to give credit as well. The IATF has responded. We have contained it to to an extent, although there are some sporadic outbreaks from in some LGUs from time to time. And Okta Research is pointing out that we peaked at around 6,000 cases in June per day. Before Christmas, we got that down to less than 1,000 per day. So there has clearly been some progress as well in fighting and containing the virus. But as with all around the world, it still remains the biggest problem for the country and the world. To that point, More than 97 million shots of COVID vaccine have been given out in 62 countries so far. In the U.S. alone, 31 million doses have been given out. But experts say it will take some time before we can achieve a significant level of global immunity. And, of course, the virus in the meantime is not standing still. The latest variants from the U.K. and Brazil are now driving up the number of COVID-19 cases again. We'll learn more about these variants in our COVID Corner segment with Dr. DJ Bandoy. Mabigat pa rin ang COVID sa buhay natin, pero may mga ibang problema, and among them is red tagging. You know? So let's talk about that. Now, a Facebook post by the AFP Information Exchange falsely listed 28 people as, quote, UP students who became MPA and were either killed or captured, unquote. Red tagged and very much alive, UP alumni held a virtual press conference. Sila, sina lawyers Alex Padilla, Rafi Aquino, journalist Roel Landingin, playwright Lisa Magtoto, development worker Marie-Lisa Dakanay, and government official Elmer Mercado. We Probably should stress right now that Alex Padilla isn't just any lawyer. He was actually head of the government peace panel in the previous administration negotiating with the National Democratic Front. Mm -hmm. He was not only an official of government, he represented government. So officials have deleted the post, but they are not yet off the hook. The military has also initiated a probe on the matter. And last week, the Deputy Chief of Staff of Intelligence, Major General Alex Luna, was fired. The general in charge of AFP social media accounts, Major General Benedict Arevalo, was removed. Hindi ito ang unang controversy involving military officials and social media and red tagging. Marami na rubbing nangyari, di ba? And itong araw lang, parang may kumakalat, 
na may bagong post ang AFP actually quoting a Manila Times columnist at ang merong portion there na nagsabing the 1983 euthanasia of Dinoy Aquino. I almost fell off my chair. Euthanasia of Dinoy Aquino. It really, I mean, a lot of people are really now beyond outrage. People who are not only uh, insisting on human rights and due process are concerned about red tagging. But now there is also quite overtly a concern about the funds and the spending for intelligence. Everybody understands the need for intelligence work, but, well, to put it bluntly, their question is, what are we getting for our money? Anyway, our producer, Kat Ventura, talked to Assistant Professor Francis Domingo of De La Salle about his study on military intelligence in the Philippines. Robbie Inday, maraming tanong these days tungkol sa pinagkukunan ng intel ng gobyerno, especially after the military released its list of UP students who became NPA and were either killed or captured in military operations. And naging usapin din ang budget for intelligence na under the 2021 budget, nasa 4.5 billion pesos ang budget for intelligence and confidential funds. There was also that financial report from COA that showed that in 2019, the Duterte administration had 13.47 billion pesos worth of confidential, intelligence, and extraordinary expenses. This is actually one of the reasons why Congress included a provision in the 2021 national budget requiring the disclosure of how the Office of the President will spend these funds. But Duterte vetoed this provision. Pero ano nga ba itong intel na pinag-uusapan natin? And how does the military gather intelligence? So we asked Francis Domingo. He is the Assistant Professor of International Studies at De La Salle University and he completed a PhD in international relations from the University of Nottingham in 2018. So there are two, I would say, main units. So one is more of coordinating. So that's the Deputy Chief of Staff of Intelligence. That's J2. So that's in Camp Aguinaldo. The officials are very, they're quite visible. Usually two star, one star. These are highly ranked. No? So they're in charge of coordinating the intelligence and the armed forces. And if you're familiar with the military structure, no, it replicates N2 sa Navy, no, sa Army G2, and then you have A2 sa Air Force. So they're all reporting to J2, which is a joint staff. The other side is the actual you know, the main operating unit. They coordinate with J2, but they are largely independent. So that's where you have ISAF. So we hear this a lot, the Intelligence Services of the Armed Forces of the Philippines. So um, they're really the main unit tasked to collect and operate. Okay, so that's in the military side. Merong J2, may N2 sa Navy, G2 sa Army, A2 sa Air Force. Pero paano nakakarating ang intel na ito sa Pangulo? But in terms of the wider executive branch, they're connected in terms of the National Intelligence Board. And they definitely coordinate with NICA, which is our National Intelligence Coordinating Agency. So if you talk about military intelligence, they sit on the National Intelligence Board, so it's, they make decisions up to the operational level. 
right? So all the agencies, pertinent agencies, sit in the, like the PNP, they even have the DFA, they sit in the National Intelligence Board, no? Robbie Inday, si Major General Alex Luna na nabanggit natin kanina, galing sa J2 siya. He is the Deputy Chief of Staff for Intelligence. And according to Lorenzana, the NPA list came from Luna's office, OJ2. But of course, the UP alumni who were in this list denied the allegations. And investigations are being carried out on the publication of this error-riddled list. So we asked Prof. Domingo to weigh in on this. The first thing to say about Intel, right, is we can only say it's misleading if they, see, they give us the, the whole picture. That rarely happens unless it's really a strict inquiry, right? So I think the first thing to, to note is that the nature of intelligence as information, no, it's not intended to be certain. It's never 100%. So military, they have what they call the A1, A1 intel. Even A1 intel could be problematic. If you want to talk about uh, consequences, politicization of uh, intelligence, no, because misleading intel, if you if you follow the process and you know collection, no, it can only be misleading to the person interpreting it. You could have false intel, talagang deliberately false. But why did you do that? It's because it's politicized. Politicizing intelligence could be cherry picking. No, we have you know we have this picture. We will get this picture and and give it to you and to release it to the public. No, it's not the, the whole context. And the argument is we can't reveal the entire scenario because it's classified. So that's dangerous because it would lead to very problematic decisions. One of the proposals in Prof. Domingo's study is actually transparency. Granted that intel is top secret, high level stuff, the public should at least be informed of what their funds are being spent on where their taxpayer money is going. And according to him, there are ways of doing this without necessarily divulging too much information. So the initiative to be transparent, no? you can maximize what you can, what is allowable to be presented to the public. That's what I, I think transparency for me. You know, everything, the mandate, no? you can have reports. No? You can, kumbaga, you have the urge to tell the public, but not the sensitive parts. You want to protect. You don't want to antagonize. So one is really initiative from these agencies. The other side is oversight. Obviously, the Supreme Court didn't so it's Congress. You know, this could be done. They could definitely uh, enhance it. They could demand. And of course, it could be vetoed. But they can always demand. Veto, demand. Veto, demand. Maraming salamat, Kat Ventura. Okay, ngayon, Inday. Medyo nosebleed tayo dito. Let's talk about something that everybody saw on social media. Everybody probably got some wind of it and probably even have a little understanding of it. But everybody's trying to ask, can you please explain it to me? I don't know if we can, but let's talk about GameStop. As I said, you must have read the news. A lot of people are really looking into this and it's being framed as some sort of David and Goliath tale for Wall Street. I know some of the aspects of the story, you know, like shorting. I, you know, I know what shorting is, but like, kung paano naging this huge brawl, yun ang parang nawiwindang pa rin ako. Mm, ako rin, hindi ko alam kung is this, in fact, the little guys fighting the big bad guys or 
Away ba ito ng mayayaman? And a lot of little guys were dragged into the fray as happens in politics and social media. Yeah, and in big business and in big money. In any ways, you know, I'm not the one who's gonna try to explain this. Carl Sayat has been trying as well to understand this and he tells us what he's learned. You would think that a company selling video games in brick-and-mortar stores wouldn't be doing so well in the stock market. But You'd be wrong. GameStop has been sparking conversations about the stock market recently because of how much its stock price grew in the past few weeks. By more than a thousand percent, in fact. There were winners, obviously, but also losers. Mostly large hedge funds and professional investors who reportedly lost billions of dollars betting against the price of GameStop stock going up. Pero teka lang, paano ba to nangyari? Okay, so essentially when you buy stocks, you buy some shares of a company. If the company does well, then that share goes up in value and you earn some money. The inverse is also true. There is money to be lost when the value goes down. That's what's been happening to GameStop. No one's really rushing to physical stores to buy games during a pandemic when most games can be downloaded online. Now, there are two groups of people worth mentioning in this story. The professionals and the amateurs. So, on one hand, you have your amateur investors who are trading on their phones. The Reddit thread called Wall Street Bets encouraged a lot of these amateurs to keep buying GameStop stock. This constant goading pushed its stock price higher and higher. Now, the other group is composed of hedge funds and professional investors who shorted the stock. This essentially means that they would earn money if the stock price dropped. For now, at least, we know that this didn't happen. And it sparked this whole conversation about how the stock market really works and who it benefits. Here's Jamie Rogozinski, founder of Wall Street Bets. So we're, what we're going to see or what we're seeing is kind of this collision between uh, a system which is clearly not behaving the way it should be behaving, yet nobody's prepared to handle it on the regulatory side, the government side, or, or on the actual uh, forum itself. There's a general feeling of triumph among the people on the Reddit thread, particularly against professional investors and hedge funds. Para na raw kasi silang nakabawi sa mga ito. A key thing to note here is that these winners are regular people making trades on their phones, and now even the platforms they're using have barred people from trading GameStop stock. This is now the conversation that we are following. Will government intervene to regulate these kinds of trade from happening in the future? That's something that we will have to wait and see. Maraming salamat, Carl Sayan. Now, before we end, Inday, might you know what this sound is all about. We'll let you in on what that is in our next episode. Please continue to follow our page, Teka Teka, for more news stories and follow Puma Podcast for more updates on our other podcasts. Muli, ako po si Robby Alampay, Puma Podcast. At ako si Inday Espina Verona. Teka, teka, like Puma Podcast is available on Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you podcast. This episode was produced by our executive producer, Kat Ventura. It was edited by Carl Sayat, who also produced one segment. Maraming salamat. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.